Excellent. All right. So we are starting. Everyone, welcome to today's Family Office Club member spotlight interview. I am very excited for the two gentlemen that I have the honor of interviewing today from Oak Seed Venture Capital. Uh, we have uh, Chi Wee Neg and also Brett Hartman with us today. Uh, say hello, gentlemen. Howdy. Hello. Uh, yeah. uh, where are you two coming to us from today? Where are we uh, speaking to you from today? Where are you located? We are in Los Altos, California. Yeah, beautiful sunny California. Awesome. On uh, the West Coast, uh, Oakseed focuses on artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, uh, which is obviously a super hot topic today. Um, you two, I've gotten the pleasure of meeting you in San Francisco at our conference, uh, speaking to you now several times, hearing you on our stage, uh, which was an absolutely amazing presentation. But I think the important thing for me to highlight uh, before we allow you guys to start really sharing more of your insights and your knowledge is that I think there's a lot of people you see out there that kind of claim to know artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. Uh, it's kind of become a bit of a trend word, uh, but we're talking to two uh, real experts uh, in this space uh, that are leading the way. I kind of want to start to know, I mean, you guys can tell me a little bit about, about Oakseed uh, Ventures and you know where you guys are putting your focus in the fund. Uh, so at Oxy Ventures, we uh, focus on seed stage investments uh, in cybersecurity and AI. The team came out of uh, Cisco, both Brett and myself. Uh, Brett and myself also went to MIT, Brett, many years before me. So we have technical backgrounds. Uh, Brett was uh, the CTO of our Cisco's uh, security business. I was on the investing side. Uh, we feel like right now is an uh, amazing time to be investing in cybersecurity and AI just because of the you know, recent developments in the AI space, but also cybersecurity overall uh, is a very exciting area that has many, many investment opportunities every time when there are new technologies like AI, like cloud, uh, before then that are created and we can uh, expand on this. Fantastic. And uh, Brett, can you let us know a little bit about your background at, at Cisco Systems and how that kind of transition or leads to, to you being a part of Oaks? Yep, you bet. So as, as Huey said, uh, we've known each other for how many years? Like a long time. It's got to be okay. 10, 10 years, something like that. So yeah, so I've been uh, in cybersecurity my whole career, and yes, a little longer than Chiwi. So so that's that's what happens. But um, yeah, as uh, as we were just saying, most recently I was the CTO of the security group at Cisco. Did that for a long time, um, and and again, that's where we work together. We'll talk about that. Worked on strategic investments, lots of acquisitions, uh, and you know, naturally, there's lots of tie-ins between security and AI. That goes without saying. Before that, I was a CTO at RSA, another big security company. And before that, I did a variety of security architecture roles. I uh, did some startups, so I've been on the entrepreneur side as well. And then way back in the day, I was an Air Force officer uh, and working at the National Security Agency. So I also have a kind of a military and uh, you know intelligence background as, as well. So long, long time in security, and that really brings us naturally to thinking about um, how to help the industry and how we can actually uh, find some interesting new companies to invest in to uh, really drive the next iteration. And with this kind of major boom recently, Chiwi, you've focused on the investment side at Cisco. 
Uh, so in terms of like due diligence and reviewing opportunities, it looks like you've definitely had a lot of experience in that. And that's probably what you're bringing over to Oakseed. But how much would you say the landscape has changed since you were at Cisco versus now? The whole space is always in a flux of changing, right? And uh, of course, the recent things that we are observing is, uh, you know, all the things that happened in the past year uh, with OpenAI and, and ChatGPT. Yeah, it seems to be all about AI these days, right? It's like every time you turn around, somebody's talking about AI. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, and, and Brett can chime in here too, which is that cybersecurity is a constantly evolving uh, space. There's only one thing that doesn't change is change itself, right? And, and that's because a uh, number of factors, uh, you know, technology is changing, but, you know, bad actors uh, keep getting better at the bad things they do. Yep, and, and now more and more of those bad things have to do with leveraging things like generative AI, new AI models. So we're seeing the same sorts of attacks uh, that have been you know, launched in the past. Now we're thinking about it in the context of what does that mean for AI and, and those sorts of platforms. And, and what does it mean for AI? Yeah, so, you know, really to, to start that conversation, you have to think of what are the risks of any platform, right? Any new technology innovation comes with a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, uh, and nobody wants to think about what bad things can happen. We, you know, I've seen that so many times uh, over the years, whether it's in virtualization, whether it's in things like blockchain, whether it's in things like containers and cloud, right? It's always the next big exciting thing. Obviously that's AI right now, and nobody wants to think about what could go wrong. And then you start deploying it and it's like, oh, maybe things can go wrong. Uh, actually, just this morning, I was uh, listening to NPR and they were talking about a, uh, a legal case where apparently uh, some young lawyer leveraged ChatGPT to create some, um, some cases and some submissions for judges and got caught in the act. Uh, because the you know the uh, the tool hallucinated, right? We all we all know about these hallucinations, all the kind of the false information. So really, what we're what we're dealing with here, if we think about AI, is like all the things that can go wrong, and applying some of the techniques we've known for years to try to address the risks and and fix what can go wrong in, in these new models. Excellent. And then, but in terms of what you guys are doing, you guys are really kind of scoping out the companies that can find those solutions. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there's a number of well-known areas, well-known problem domains in security that apply directly to AI. Uh, and so it's taking that knowledge, areas like automation, areas like how people build application, all those sorts of things, uh, analytics, right? All those areas then apply to, as we look at new companies for uh, how they can address the, the new risks. So. As let's say, putting myself in the shoes of a uh, family office that doesn't have a tech background or a private investor uh, or someone that maybe had a, 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 a big financial event or liquidation event, but maybe my background's not in tech or AI, and but I want to invest in AI. I want to invest in cybersecurity, right? Obviously one solution is I can invest with you guys, right? That's one. But let's say I'm like, no, I want to invest directly into deals help me understand as someone that is not proficient in ai or cybersecurity, what are some things that i should 
uh, watch out for when someone is presenting me an artificial intelligence investment opportunity or cybersecurity investment opportunity that raises a red flag and says, you know what, that's not the real deal. That's not a company I want to do. I want to even take time to do due diligence. In. Yeah, there's a lot of areas. Maybe I'll start a little bit on kind of, you know, the, the technology side and Chiwi, there's, there's always the, obviously the the financial risks and business risks as well. Um, but, you know, the, the main issue in terms of, of risks is it's it's an area you have to know what you're doing, right? It's, as, as, as you said, it's a highly technical area. Um, people can tell you anything, right? Trust me, it's gonna work, it's gonna risk, it's the most secure thing ever. You have to be able to look behind that and understand what the true technology is. So for any group thinking about a, a, of an investment, if you don't know the area, find someone who does, who can actually sanity check it and make sure they're not selling you snake oil. Because there's a lot of snake oil. I've personally seen it over the years where people claim things that just aren't true. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing, obviously, is the team being able to understand the quality of the of the team. And again, try and understand legitimate backgrounds, both uh, history as an entrepreneur, history in terms of successful exits. That sort of thing is is incredibly important. And then finally, the products, right? That the, that the products actually work and that they solve real problems. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So. Investing in venture capital is is a highly risky uh, proposition, right? In startups, and so one of the things that investors uh, need to be very careful of is that this potentially can be very very big, and that these like Brett uh, is saying, like they actually solve a real problems, a real big painful problem that the customers face. And uh, and this really requires uh, a lot of experts to understand the industry to be able to make that judgment call, right? Because everything that entrepreneur tells you is like, oh yeah, this is this is why I'm doing this, but does that problem uh, really exist? And does is that problem really big, right? And because investing in startups is very, very you know risky, um, the upside must be very, very big to, to justify for that. Uh, potential loss and there are many many things that can go around if the product doesn't really solve a big problem or it solves a problem but that's it it cannot be extended on then you know you find that some of these startups maybe can get a few customers and and then not scale from there so i would say there are a lot of things that you know require experienced people like us to actually go into and look into and and figure out whether whether it's a, it's a good investment and maybe one one other point in that, especially as as anybody thinks about investment in this space, that's that distinguishes cybersecurity and AI from a lot of other spaces is this notion of trust. Um, the tolerance for claiming things that aren't true in the space of cybersecurity is is very low. If you claim something and it turns out not to be true, I can address all possible attacks. Don't worry, if you put this in on your machine, guaranteed you will never get attacked. And then you are, things go wrong. You lose that credibility in the cybersecurity space, you're dead. That company is gone, right? So unlike a lot of other domains where there's like a little bit more leeway, you can kind of push the envelope in the security space, you have to be very trustworthy. People have to be able to believe you. Um, you know, it's kind of inherent in that space. Uh, you know, security people are not tolerant of uh, being, you know, having, having things that are that are just not accurate. Yeah. So you know, we're talking a lot about things. 
Uh, but let's get a little bit more specific, right? Because, you know, I've I, I come across a lot of technology companies. I've had, you know, as you guys know, at, at our events, come across a lot of tech entrepreneurs, tech investors, um, and then also someone that really loves technology. I've been able to kind of differentiate sometime nowhere near close to even considering myself an expert. But for example, you know, the difference between machine learning and AI. Right. It's yeah. like, for example, um, you know, our Microsoft Word has had the ability to edit grammar for decades. So chat GPT editing grammar is not AI in my eyes. Right. It's not AI. It's just machine learning. It's, you know, an ability we've always had. We've always had that ability. Now, now chat GPT creating an entire syllabus for me on a program. Uh, maybe that could be considered AI, but ChatGPT translating that into French for me is not AI. We've had translating technology for a long time, right? So that's not, so you can title things AI, you know, but really sometimes people forget, especially I would say your age demographic that isn't, doesn't have a background in technology may see ChatGPT work and think, oh my God, this is artificial intelligence and not realize that they've had an app in their phone that is able to translate things from one language to another for many years or able to grammatically correct and rephrase things for many years. Um, you know, for example, you know, when metaverse was a big topic, right? You know, there was a company that came to our events and they had an Oculus and they were putting an Oculus on people's heads. And some of the people in our older demographic were absolutely amazed by it. But it's like, but then I put it on and I was like, this looks like Super Nintendo graphics. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you're only amazed by it because you're immersed in it, right? Because you have these goggles on, but but the pixelization and the and the and the, the graphics card that this company used to call themselves a metaverse. I mean, they really, they just took a Super Nintendo world and put a, their Oculus on it, right? It's tech that I've seen for well before the word metaverse or AI was even a trend word, right? So my question to you guys is, what are you guys seeing out there that people claim that it's artificial intelligence, but it's really not versus what is artificial intelligence truly? Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You got to worry about the buzzword bingo, right? You got to, you know, that people say, oh yeah, we do AI, you know, we do, we do this and you know, they just say the word and what does that even mean? And they show a magic trick on a, on a software that looks right. That's, then they don't realize exactly. Word, Microsoft Word was doing that decade. You're absolutely right. And, and that's what I was alluding to before, right? You got to kind of see behind it and understand what's going on. I think most important is to really focus to me and as a technologist, to me first, not on the technology, but more on the problem that's getting solved and really understanding, does it really address the problem domain and then see what technologies like generative AI, for example, right? For which is a case in point that clearly is on that, you know, true uh, what's considered state-of-the-art AI versus some of the older techniques that have been around for a long time, right? As a case in point, making sure those are relevant to solve the problem. So, I mean, one, I'll just give you an example as it applies to the cybersecurity world. Um, when when a company has been attacked, right, and there are tools that are out there to be able to describe what happened. Right? What kind of attack? They'll use lots of different security lingo that un unless you're have you know the background, uh, you're probably not gonna know, right? It's gonna say there's a uh, lateral movement was involved in the attack, uh past the hash was you know existed, 
Uh, you had a buffer overflow in this environment, right? These are things that probably the average user has no clue what those are, right? So now what generative AI can be really good at is taking all that jargon, right? All that detail, right? It came from this IP address and it, you know, went to this VLAN and all the mess that, it, that you know, is behind the attack. Something like generative AI can give you a nice human consumable um, summary of what happened. Right now, sure, a human being could do that, but there aren't enough security experts in the world to take all that, do the analysis, and then summarize that for people. So if, if uh, something like a good AI tool can do that and help people understand what happened in human consumable language, as opposed to just, you know, thousands of pages of logs, that's super helpful, right? To simplify in ways that are, that are useful, right? It leverages the expertise that's out there in the, in the security world. Not enough professionals. This can help. This can, you know. So that's just one example of, of a way to, that, that is truly, I would say, AI in, in these days. Great. And uh, two, we, with your experience in doing due diligence for Cisco, once again, what, what is AI? What is not AI? And maybe with the real world examples of things you've seen where someone may have tried to sell you, an entrepreneur may have tried to sell you on why their solution is AI, but you can see they're just kind of slapping on a word uh, that's trendy or, or, or sounds cool. Yeah, so so I would actually uh, push what you just said even further, which is I don't think, I don't, I don't think we actually reached the real AI today in, the sense, that, in yes. the sense that none of these things are truly intelligent. Uh, all the things that you mentioned, yeah, you know, goes uh, different techniques that we've we've uh, tried to make computers appear intelligent, and we've got a whole history, like you said, you know, way, way, way back. You have expert systems, you have rule-based systems, you have probabilistic systems, and neural networks, and then now, you know, large language models and foundation models. But are we at that point where we say, oh, wow, this thing is now truly intelligent in the sense that now it's almost like one of us. I would argue we're not there yet. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we won't reach that point sometime in the future. But, you know, I think uh, everyone's looking at, uh, you know, ChatGPT and you have got lots of excitement. It became uh, the app that had the, you know, was the fastest growing ever. Uh, and then, as Brett was saying, now we're hitting a point where, you know, there's this hallucination problem, which is basically ChatGPT is making up stuff, right? And so now we are, I mean, the technologists that are working on it right now are discovering that, that the technology itself has, has limitations, right? So I would say that we're not, we're not really at that, you know, artificial intelligence yet. We are still working on a technology. Uh, certainly there are, as Brett mentioned, you know, new applications of the latest iteration of AI also seen in other areas where they they take foundation models to uh, apply to drug discovery, for instance, or other areas where now uh, these large foundation models allow you to uh, process the correlations between uh, lots and lots of data in a way that you know traditional deep learning uh, was not able to. And this is this is how um, OpenAI was able to uh, 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 achieve its breakthrough in language, <laughs> which can be used in, in many applications across security, across enterprise. But also you can take that technology uh, to apply across uh, 
different data sets to do different things. And so uh, I think the technology itself allows uh, language, generating language, generating images, uh, generating video, uh, which can be used for good and bad. And then it also allows you to like process, uh, you know, data, discover correlations at scale. But I don't think we are at truly intelligent. <laughs> you know, and, and I would say, Maybe that's okay, right? Because there are plenty of examples that don't necessarily need true AI, like or, you know, at a PhD level, right? There are plenty of simpler problems that can be addressed today. And that's good to see some incremental improvement now, right? And then to Chibi's point, I think it's just gonna, of course, get better and better over time. So this is where you have to align the, the true potential of the technology that it can really solve the problem and and you're not getting oversold that it's not ready for it right that's that's really the thing assess the relevance of the technology and over time sure it's gonna it'll solve those bigger problems great i love that and so now if you could elaborate for me if, if you're saying yeah we're not truly there at the artificial intelligence level and you know i've heard you know what i've learned is you know it's not truly intelligent if it's not learning on its own right but what does that look like like what in your vision in your mind's eye you know like you said you don't feel like we're truly there we're just at ex we're, we've just expanded on technology we already had what does that look like to you yeah well what i would say there is the the best to me that the ai tools the state of what we have today is really really helpful as an assistant to a human being right it's not a replacement of the human being it's an assistant, right? Because you got to check the work. You got to check the work of whatever this, you know, generative AI is going to provide. You can't trust it yet. Back to my point about trust, right? So you have to have a human being that's got to double check it. Whether it's, for example, a lot of activity now is about automatically writing code, right? Writing code so that people don't have to write in Python or whatever. That's great, but it's not always perfect code. So someone's going to have to check it. Um, you know, I've talked to folks that are doing it um, in their companies now, and it's maybe saving them in terms of code writing 30% of the time, right? It's not 100%. It's not replacing the, the software developers. But if you can get 30% efficiency and improvement, that's awesome, right? So I think that's what we're seeing, right? A way to help and augment Make, make humans more efficient. We got a long runway in many different applications there before we get to the, you know, are we all gonna lose our jobs and sit on the beach all day? Because, you know, it's just gotta be computers doing everything. That's gonna, that's gonna be a long time, if ever. Yeah, do you wanna elaborate on that, Shi Wei? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, and you know, Brad was talking about this, there's applications in cybersecurity, the applications in uh, professional services, and like all the grunt work that all the associates uh, used to do, right? So the case in point, NPR, uh, unfortunately use a tool that is not ready yet. But yes, I mean, you know, professionally, and there are many, you know, startups as well as, you know, companies that are doing this, which is, you know, all this, legal judgments and and cases and you know how do you take that how do you how how, how can a, a, a lawyer be much more efficient right generative ai is absolutely a good tool um but a lot more work needs to be done then think about you know accounting auditing compliance within the enterprise actually many many applications that that is waiting uh for this technology to augment the human being and you know, I wouldn't mind a good assistant to help me out that I didn't have to pay for that would be really cheap. That's kind of useful. To, that's 
that's that's good for all of us, right? Get some help. It's been super helpful for me this year, 100%. Um, and can you give me a little bit more of a definition for generative AI? Mm, that's a that's a deep topic. You want to you want to start with that, or what? There's there's a whole or again, just talk about lingo. There's like a, there's like a, a lot there. Well, I'll start, and we it's again not to and, and as simple as you can keep it because we're about to wrap. Yeah, up. the the idea of generative AI is is really it's focused on language, right? So it's focused primarily, and and the idea of why language and AI around language is so important is because language essentially encodes all of human knowledge, right? The things that we know that one and one is two, you know, that the, you know, I don't know, capital of the United States is, you know, is Washington DC, whatever, is, is, in, is in language. So the thing that's really powerful about generative AI is it leverages language to be able to extricate the knowledge that's in that language. And then the reason it's generative is because essentially what, what you're doing with generative AI like ChatGPT and others is you're having a dialogue, asking a question, and then the generative AI engine is figuring out what's the right next word, right? And the next word after that, and the next word, it generates a sequence of words that turns into a sentence, that turns into a paragraph, that turns into whatever, right? The essay or the book or, or whatever. So it's generating the next word, right? As part of a linguistic way to understand the world's knowledge, right? That's, that's the point, it's all around language. Yeah. And, and to contrast what came before is historically AI has been used to do what's called classification problems, which is like, okay, is this a cat or is this a dog, right? That's classification. So that's that's a contrast. Like up until recently, you know, the, the hype around uh, or, or the, the developments around yeah. deep learning and neural networks and all that was classification. around classification, which we still use, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, classification and, and in cybersecurity actually is used a lot. Yeah. Is this malware or is this not malware? Right? Is this an attack or not? Right? So it's still there and still very relevant. But yeah, uh, like you say, it's uh, uh, this generation moves it beyond just dog or cat. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Very, very insightful conversation, but obviously I don't think 20 minutes will ever be enough to cover so much on this. Uh, but you guys have your feet on the ground and are looking at a lot of companies, a lot of entrepreneurs are involved in the industry. If an investor wants to reach out to you, learn more, learn about Oakseed, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, they can just uh, write us email. Uh, IR at oakseedvc.com. IR at oakseedvc.com. Um, also, uh, oakseedvc.com, right, for the website. Um, can they follow you guys on LinkedIn? Is there somewhere where you guys are maybe publishing some content and some educational pieces that would be useful? Uh, they can find us on LinkedIn uh, uh, and they can also go to the website, obcbc.com. Great. Yeah, we'll be making sure to put your, your name so you're easy to find on LinkedIn uh, and uh, the website and the email address in the caption below. But other than that, uh, Brett, Chiwi, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to seeing you guys in December 4th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for our Family Office Super Summit. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Join the Family Office Club by visiting familyoffices.com. We look forward to seeing you at our next live event.